special edition time of the CBB Central Podcast. We're excited about this one. We've been giving you all the transfer news, all the recruiting, all the draft stuff that you could possibly want. Uh, but going to add an extra edition this week, a little coach interview, get back on that grind. Saw the three-man weave guys doing their thing. We said, hey, two can tango. Uh, and so we brought Richie Riley on the show from South Alabama. Very excited about it. Uh, coach Richie Riley, one of the best young coaches in my mind, you know, in college basketball, a guy who, you know, took Nickel State, one of the toughest jobs in the country, uh, to a Southland regular season title. He goes to South Alabama now. He's had two years of really good success. You know, they win 20 games this year, um, win eight straight, about to go to the NCAA tournament, two wins away, and then uh, coronavirus knocks that away. But Richie Riley, one of the best young coaches in the business, a great recruiter, uh, and a guy who I think has the you know potential to be a really high-level, high-major coach at some point. Um, but I think he's more focused just now on South Alabama and the program that he can build there, which is a you know one of the better pro- one of that mid-major program, sleeping giants I think in the country because you know they have great facilities. It's a good location. They have money. Uh, South Alabama definitely a high upside job. So they're in a bit of a reload mode. Um, they lose five starters, but they have a ton of talent coming in. Um, a couple of really good transfers. They've got uh, Terrence Lewis from Iowa State, DeAndre Ballard uh, from Florida, Sammy Orio from American, the JUCO product, D2 product, high school kids. I mean, they are doing a great job on the trail. Uh, so we figured we had to get Richie on the show. Super excited that we did. And uh, we'll play that interview for you right now. We're excited to be joined today on the show by South Alabama head coach Richie Riley. Coach Riley led the Jags to their first 21 season in a decade this season and was named one of the top coaches under 40 years old in the country by ESPN. Uh, thanks for joining us, coach. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honor to be on, um, you know, Kevin, I, I, I have a great appreciation for, for what you do, the detail that you do it with. And, um, you know, as a head coach, it's refreshing to, to see somebody out in the social media world cover sport that, that does it with the detail that you do it with and the passion. So it's, so it's an honor to be on. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to have a chance to sit down and talk to you. I appreciate that coach. Uh, first question for you. I got, I got to ask about this, this phrase, uh, burn the boats. You know, I see it everywhere with your programs, you know, explain to me what it means, where you got the inspiration for it. Give me, give me this whole story here. Yeah. So burn the boats is something that's, that's really special to me. It's who I am as a person and it's who our program is. It was the same way at Nichols State and it'll be the same way as long as I'm fortunate enough to be a head coach. So what Burn the Boats is, years ago I got it up Tony Robbins, a motivational speaker, and it, it goes back to Hernando Cortez and um, in, in the Spanish Inquisition or one of the battles that they fought. And um, when they went to war, they, they sailed over on their boat and when when they got off the boat to go to go fight and go to battle, they put torches and they and they burn their boat. And and what that means essentially is there's there's no option for for failure. You have to be successful. You have to win the battle because you don't have a boat to go back on. If if you're going home, you got to go back on their boats. And it's it's a conquer conquered mentality that I live by, and um, has to do with taking risks, you know, and and betting on yourself. And, and eliminating excuses. The only option is, is to be successful and find a way to do that. And within our program, we use that with academics. We use that with, with obviously on the court, 
and, and we eliminate excuses and, and our kids really buy into it. It's something that they can wrap their mind around that, that motivates them because a lot of guys we recruit were into the transfer market and, and some of them it's their last go around and, and they understand that they burn the boats and they come in here and there is no option for them to fail. They have to work at a relentless pace. They have to do whatever they have to do to be successful. And, you know, in my career, it really comes down to three things. And, you know, throughout my career that kind of shaped me into to burn the boats. And that's our mantra. And that's that's what we're known for. And that's what I'm known for as a coach. But, you know, the first one was my first job was at Hawaii Pacific University. I was 21 years old and they were going to pay me eight thousand five hundred dollars um, to go over there and coach. And that's yearly salary. And I got a credit card and, and I ran that credit card up to six grand just to survive. And I completely burned my boat. I, um, cause I didn't have another opportunity. You know, I don't come from a lineage of coaches. Um, I'm from a Southeastern Kentucky town. There's not a million players there. Like if I was from Atlanta or, or DC or Baltimore or, or one of the hotbeds for talent. Um, so, so I had to take a chance and bet on myself. And I did that. And, um, the second one was I took a job at Arkansas Fort Smith about four years later. They just went to NCAA Division Two, and, I, and my my dream was to be a Division One assistant at the time. And I knew I needed to to get to leave the NAI level and just try my hand at the, at, at an NCAA level. And um, I went there, and three weeks into it, Cliff Ellis contacted me, and he offered me an opportunity to interview at Coastal Carolina, and it was my dream. So I went to my boss there at Fort Smith, and I asked him, you know, can I go interview for this job? And and basically. He said, you know, if you go interview, you better get the job, which essentially meant, you know, I wouldn't have a job to come back to. And, um, and, and I can see, you know, he's not, he's one of my really good friends now. And um, I can see where he was coming from because I'd only been there three weeks. But I, I burned the boats again and, and turned in my letter of resignation, drove 14 hours across the country and interviewed and luckily got Coastal Carolina. I would have been un, unemployed. And, and then the third leg of the story of, of how I kind of became this is when I was at Clemson as an assistant, um, I wanted to be a head coach. It was my dream. I felt like it was attainable at that point, but I knew it wasn't going to be easy. So nickel state came open and, and I, you know, got involved with it and, and got an opportunity to get lucky enough to get offered the job. And I was going to take a $90,000 pay cut to be a head coach. And my wife, Jess, and I had a, had our first son already, Reese, and our second son, Rock, was on on the way. And um, I took a ninety thousand dollar pay cut, and we moved to Thibodeau, Louisiana. And um, kind of the rest is history. We won the Southland. We won the Southland in year two, regular season, and um, I got to a great place like South Alabama. So that's that's kind of what burn the boats is for me. And uh, you know, I that's our brand. That's who we are. And it's not just signs and t-shirts or, or something we say. That's how we live. And that's how I've lived. And I'm very passionate about it. So, you know, you mentioned you, you literally took a significant pay cut to go get the chance to be a head coach. You know, how, how did you make that decision, you know, beyond just, you know, burning the boats? I mean, obviously it's a massive family decision. That's a massive life decision. Like as an assistant coach, when you're trying to find like, when is the right time to go jump and be a head coach? Like what allowed you to take that leap of faith? Yeah, for, for me, I talk, to, I talk to guys that are assistants about this a lot. I've been on some Zooms. You know, Zoom is, you know, it's, it's, it's taken off like crazy. We do them all the time. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to be asked to be on, on quite a few of them. And, and, I, and I say this, I had 
opportunities to be a division one head coach are extremely hard to get. Um, there's guys that work their whole life and, and are qualified to be a division one head coach and they never get that opportunity. So when, when I was able to get involved, um, you know, I, I was, I wanted to do it. You know, obviously my wife is my best friend in the world. And, you know, to be honest at the time, she didn't really want to do it. We were comfortable at Clemson. Um, working in ACC, working for Brad Brownell. Uh, we loved living there. It's a special place. And we, we didn't necessarily want to leave. We wanted to stay there. But I wanted to be a head coach. That was my dream. And she knew that. And she has always, has always really, really had my back and, and been there for me and supported me. And, you know, we, we made that jump. And, you know, you got to bet on yourself. And, you know, it, it would be ideal if you could get a, your dream job when you, when you decide to be a head coach. If everybody could do that, it would be a heck of a world that we live in. But, unfortunately, that's not the way life works. you gotta, you got to earn the right sometimes to, to get to where you want to get to. And, and I knew Nickel State presented an opportunity for me to, you know, carve out my own niche as a head coach. And, and go find a way to win at a place that people um, didn't feel like you could win at, to be honest. When I took the job, they had one winning season within 20, in the last 20 years. Um, one of the top five lowest budgets in all of Division One basketball. And I, I felt like we could produce a winner. The people down there are special. That was part of my decision in taking the job. Uh, the people in Thibodeau, Louisiana, at Nichols State are tremendous. They were, they were unbelievable to me, and they believed in me. And they supported us the best that they could. And, and support doesn't always mean, you know, you can't put a monetary value on everything, um, financial support. You know, there are certain things that, that they couldn't give us, but they gave, they gave us their, you know, their heart and their energy and their support. And that was huge for us being successful. Um, and, and I just took a leap, man. Anybody that was going to give me a chance at the time, I was going to do it because I believed in myself and the ability that, that we could turn that place around. And I hired a great staff, and we were able to do that. So, you know, I tell every coach out there, bet on yourself. Always bet on yourself and believe in yourself. And then go relentlessly pursue success. And, you know, there, there is no limit to what you can do if you do those things. Through, throughout your career, you, you've, you've really emphasized recruiting transfers as a head coach. You know, South Alabama took a, took a ton of different transfers. Nickel State was a big part of how you built it. Um, you know, talk me through how you've made your, your, your philosophy on roster construction, you know, because obviously transfers, you know, big topic right now. Should they be eligible? How can you build a program with guys coming in? Uh, like, how did you decide, okay, transfers are going to be a big part of what we do? Yeah, throughout my career, I've always tried to, tried to carve out a niche in recruiting. Um, I, don't, I don't come from a city. Like I said, I'm from London, Kentucky. Um, there's not there's not great basketball players floating around there that are, that, that are highly touted, you know, so I'm not from a major city. So I've had to carve out a niche everywhere that I've been that I feel like can help whatever team I'm part of at that time be successful. And, and also me and my career to carve out a niche that makes, makes the most sense. And the transfer market is something that, that I'm proud of that we're able to do because each kid's story is different. And, and I love that part of it. You know, kids transfer for different reasons. Um, and, you know, just that part of being that next step of their journey 
to help them reach their dreams and goals. Cause that's why I do this is to help these guys get to get to their dreams. If I do that, ultimately we're going to be successful if I'm helping these guys first and foremost. And um, you know, since I've been a head coach, I've been a head coach for four years. I've, I've signed 20, 20 transfers um, and that's division one and division two, you know, we signed a division two transfer this year and you know, the majority of them have been really successful, either doubled or tripled their production or based on level where they came from kind of stayed the same, which is a statement in its own right. And yeah, I love that. You know, now, now we have, we have a very good balance in how we recruit. You know, I don't think you can recruit all transfers and no high school kids or junior college kids, but we are, our brand is in the transfer market on um, the success that guys have been able to have at our place when transferring from somewhere else. But, you know, one thing that I'm really proud of about this class, Kevin, is, is we have the number one rated recruiting class in the Sun Belt. And when they do those ratings, that doesn't include our transfers. Um, that's only our high school kids. And then our, our junior college signee, David Walker. So you guys have a big transfer class coming in. Um, you have, two guys, um, you know, bring in a couple of guys as well, some JUCO products, high school kids, like walk me through how you're going to mesh all these guys together um, as they, as they get to campus. Yeah, we lose a lot of our production from last year. Um, we had an older group, some of those guys we inherited, and then we added some guys that, that um, were in the back end of their career. So, so what we wanted to do was really, you know, not take a step back. I think that's important. We all coach on a year-to-year -year basis. I think that gets lost sometimes. So we wanted to, with this class, um, not take a step back. So we had to really go to work and and put together a class that that is going to be able to compete for championships because that's what we're trying to do every single year. And and I also wanted to balance the classes so that we wouldn't have a an eight-man class again like we did this year. And I think we did that. You know, looking at the high school kids we signed, um, the two that really jump out to you, Jamal West, who's Baltimore Catholic League Player of the Year, which is an incredible honor. Um, played for a top 15 high school team in America at St. Francis in Baltimore. Um, 6'5", just on incredible motor. I think he was a steal, man. I think he could play it at, at, at any level. So I think he was a steal for us. Um, I think he'll be an impact guy. And Zondra Garrett, who's from right here in Alabama, three-star kid. Uh, from Oxford, Alabama, long, long athletic, can shoot the three, really skilled. And uh, both those kids are blue-collar kids that just bring a level of energy and work with them. And then we signed Andrew Anderson, who's a three-star guard out of Memphis, another blue-collar kid, tough, um, just a really competitive dude. And then Caleb White out of New Orleans, who who we feel like is, is a guy down the road that's going to turn into a really good player. Um, his ceiling's really high, 6'8". 250, 260, um, looks like an NFL defensive end or defensive tackle. Um, so we're excited about, about him maturing and being a good player down the road. And then we got, to me, David Walker is one of the better junior college players in, in all of America. Um, he, uh, you know, is, he's a special talent, can really score the ball. Um, and at, at 6'3", 210, incredible athlete. Um, we, we got in there early and did a nice job, my staff and myself. We did a nice job of developing that relationship and, and we were able to, you know, fight off some, some power fives to get him to, to be with us. And that's a statement to him how much, you know, he, he was about the right things. And then, and then in the transfer market, um, we mixed in 
Terrence Lewis, who was a former top 60 player in the country, uh, transferred to us from Iowa State, had some big games there. Um, had 17 against Oklahoma this year. Had some big games throughout his career there, and um, we feel like we feel like he's an immediate impact guy. Uh, big guard that can that can shoot it, that can drive, can score on all three levels, and um, we're excited about him. And then Kyle Goncalves was kind of an outside the box guy. I've seen you talk about it a lot on Twitter about the D2 market and how it's becoming more and more attractive. And I agree with you 100. percent he was at Southeastern Oklahoma State, a top top 20 Division II team in the country. Um, went to Oklahoma and only lost by 12, which was pretty good, I think 12 or 14. And, and he's a guy that averaged 12 points and nine rebounds a game on a really, really good team that's essentially a Division I team. I mean, Southeastern Oklahoma, I watched a, a lot of games. They could have beat a lot of Division I opponents. And he uh, made 100 threes at 47%, and he's, he's 6'8", 220. And, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to make 100 threes at 47%. It's, it's really elite. And um, he's one of the best shooters that I've recruited. And, and then we lost one of the guys that we signed, Deshaun Burke, um, a transfer from Nebraska. He's going to stay in the NBA draft and pursue professional opportunities. And we support him with that. Um, I, I, I think every kid runs their own race. And, and the reason I do this is for the kids, period. I want them to reach their dreams and goals. And he felt comfortable with his opportunity. Uh, to do that now, and he's going to get his degree from Nebraska. So I, I support him with that. We, I hate that I'm not going to get to coach him, but I'm I'm excited about his future. So we're still out there looking to add to the mix, and and we're working tirelessly with that. But I'm excited about the team that we have, um, and and also that doesn't include DeAndre Ballard, a transfer from Florida that becomes eligible this year. He set out last year. Another former top 60 kid in the country, big wing shooter, um, really shoots it has has a motor to score. Um, we're excited about him. He had multiple double-figure games in his career at Florida. And then Sammy Orio, a guy that's transferring to us from American, was one of the better players in the Patriot League, averaged 14 and seven. Really versatile, can play multiple positions. Um, another guy that really shoots it in. So I think you can see the common thread on our, on our guys is, is we've upgraded our shooting a lot and probably our skill set. So – Obviously, that's a, that's, that's a ton of talent, obviously, but it's, it's a challenge to integrate all these guys uh, together. You know, last season coming into the year, you're going to have so many veteran guys. I think you're starting five seniors. What's the difference in approaching an offseason where you know you have to integrate all these new pieces, you know, older guys, younger guys, JUCO guys? Like, like what, what is that process like for you, and, and, and where does it start? Yeah, we, we put a lot of time into 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 putting the puzzle together the right way. Um, we don't, you know, we try to, to make it all fit just right. And that's from a personality standpoint. That's from a, you know, your, your game, your own skill set standpoint. We try to mesh it together and recruiting the best that we can so that they all fit together um, smoothly. And, and that's not always an exact science, but I do feel like with this group, we've done a nice job of that. Uh, the thing that, that hurts us a little bit is, is what's going to play out this summer. I do think there's a chance maybe late summer we can get our guys here. But, you know, we take advantage of the summer and building that bond and, and them getting integrated into our culture. And, you know, it's, it's hard if we don't get them here in the summer, man. And, you know, we didn't have the spring either. So it, it's, going to be, it's going to be a battle. And we embrace that because it's who we are as a program. Um, we believe in a culture of work. We believe in family here. It's not just something we say. That's who we are. Uh, 
Um, I've got the second youngest Division I staff in America. Um, I'm the oldest guy on staff. I'm 37. And we spend a ton of time with our guys. And I think that helps the process go a lot faster because we get to know our guys and, and they know that we genuinely care about them and, and we're about helping them get to their dreams. And, and it helps. It helps our guys to be unselfish and it helps our guys to buy into what we're talking about. And it helps our guys to, to embrace the, the amount of work that we do here. And um, we, get, we recruit some really good kids, man, and, and they, they all are hungry to win. That's something that we talk about a lot with this group in recruiting. Um, they want to win, and they also want to be the reason that they're winning. You know, some of these guys have came from some programs that have won, but they want to impact a little bit more and, and be the reason for winning. So we, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have a great staff. We, we, we spend a lot of time and energy into building this thing. And last year, you know, you talk about last year, it took us a minute to, to get everything, to get, to get everything going. And um, we didn't lose for 40 days in the season, we played our best basketball down the stretch and um, won eight in a row to finish the season before it got called off. But we hope to get an earlier start this time to, to be playing our, 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 our best basketball earlier in the season. And I, I think with this group we have, we have a chance to do that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because you started one and three and then five and seven in the Sun Belt. You win your final eight games. What did you learn from taking that early adversity in conference play and really turning around and dominating down the stretch? Yeah, it's a great question because my whole career I've been an underdog and I've had to fight and scrap for everything that, that I've got as a coach. And, you know, we kind of recruit to that. We like those guys with a chip on their shoulder and the guys that have had to fight and scrap and, and have that level of toughness to them. And that's who they are. That's in their DNA. And when we came out last year, we got picked to win the league. I think it, I think it had an effect on our team. You know, I obviously it didn't have an effect on me. I, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still preaching that. I think, you know, I'm always preaching we're disrespected and, you know, keeping that chip on my shoulder. You know, I believe it. You know, I always talk about only the paranoid survive. You got to stay paranoid all the time. You know, somebody's always trying to beat you. And but our kids saw all the stuff. And then we played Auburn really close and lost it on a last second put back. Um, so I think our kids, you know, it, it bothered us. We we lost our chip and we fought to get it back. And the only way sometimes to get that chip back is to get hit in the mouth a little bit. And that's what we got. You know, we we were struggling. We weren't playing well at all. Um, there was a lot of talk about disappointing we had been, you know, being picked to win the league and, and things like that. And, and all that developed that chip back with our guys. And um, I finally got the team that I had recruited and the team that I had thought I was going to get from day one. Um, they came with, with the right focus of work and, and they felt like some people had given up on them and um, they got back to being who we are. And, and that's why we played so well. Um, we, we completely changed our mentality of who we are and got back to what this program's about. And that's blue collar and that's work. And that's, you know, always operating with a chip on our shoulder. And, and once we got back to that, that mental mindset, we were, we were who we, we were who everybody thought we were. And um, I did, I just hate it so bad that our kids didn't get to see the, the final act. Um, we were two wins away from going to the NCAA tournament um, in the semifinals of of the Sun Belt Championship, and and you know nobody knows what would have happened, but I would have loved to seen everything play out because I felt like we were playing our best basketball, and I, I thought our, our kids really deserved to see that. So I hate that they didn't get to.
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll co-sign that one. I think you guys were, we're going to win the Sun Belt. But uh, last question for you. Um, in two years, you guys have done a lot, right? You've, you've you know, win 20 games for the first time in a decade. Uh, you know, you're recruiting at a super high level, I think pretty much as well as any mid-major in the country. Like, what do you see as the ceiling for what you guys are building at South Alabama? You know, not necessarily a place that, that most people think of as like a power, but I think in my mind, I'm sure your mind as well, a sleeping giant. Yeah, I, I said that. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I said that when I, in my press conference and when I was interviewing for this job, I think it's a sleeping giant. Um, I, I, with our facilities, with where we're located, um, and, and the people around our place, the administration and, and our fan base, I think it's a sleeping giant. And um, I, I'm glad I get a chance to try to wake that up. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't see a ceiling, to be honest with you. Um, I told people I want, I want South Alabama, I want to try to turn this thing into a household name um, and, and be recognized as one of the best mid-major programs in the country. And the only way to do that is to continue reaching new heights. And I think we've done that from, you know, our first year we won 17, which is the most they'd won in a long time. The next year, last year we won 20, and we're still going. And first time that's been over, done in over a decade. We've got to take the next steps and continue to climb. And um, that's, that's something that's only done with work. And it's something that's done with, you know, keeping that chip on our shoulder. I know I've said it a lot, but that's who I am. You know, I feel like that's who our program is. And we've got to do that. Uh, we've got to keep climbing. And, that, and I, wanted, I wanted to have a program that, you know, that our people here in Mobile can be proud of that they can, you know, wear a South Alabama burn the boat shirt when they go on vacation and say, yeah, that's, that's my team. And that's something that we're striving for. And the, the question I tell our guys, you know, why not? You know, all these mid-major powers that we talk about and in that light of expecting them to make runs in March and expecting them to win their leagues, um, they had to start somewhere. They, they didn't, they didn't just pop up overnight and that's who they were. Um, and, and we're trying to become that. We want to become that. And, and I'm going to be relentless in our pursuit for it every single day. Um, we're not there yet. And it's a work in progress. And, um, you know, we're going to keep chasing that. I tell our kids that we recruit a lot. You know, I want to help you chase your dreams. And together, I think that we can catch them. And, uh, you know, I, I say that to my staff, too. Let's, you know, let's see if we can take this thing to a level that, that people didn't even dream it could be at. And um, I, th I think we have the resources to do that. And we continue to get better in those areas. And, and we just got to do our part and keep, keep working like crazy to, to turn this place into what I dream that it can be. Richie Riley, head coach, South Alabama. Man, I appreciate you. Hey, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. And anytime, anytime I can come on with you, don't hesitate to ask. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate you thinking of me. That was really just, you know, an awesome interview with, with Richie Riley. Loved his kind of candor. Um, the burn the boat stuff, I mean, just so interesting to me. Uh, every coach now kind of has their, their slogan, their thing, but uh, burn the boats is certainly a little bit different than I've heard from, from others. So really loved hearing about that. Really loved hearing uh, some of the stuff that he had to say about um, building a roster and building a program through the transfer market. Uh, again, I think a guy that is a name you're going to want to remember. Watch South Alabama, watch Richie Riley. I think 
in a couple of years, they have a chance to be really, really dangerous. Not even a couple of years. They're going to be dangerous this year. They're going to be dangerous moving forward. Uh, so remember that name uh, and, and keep with us. You know, We're going to have more coaches on the show. We're going to have more uh, transfer talk and deep dives and other fun things. Uh, so so stay, stay, stay in touch. If you have a, tra- a coach you want on the show, let us know. Uh, we will try to make it happen. We have a uh, we have the magic with that, so we can do our best to to book those guests as as we can. And if you have media members, people like that that you want to see, uh, hop on. Let us know on that one as well. So we appreciate you listening, uh, and we will see you soon with uh, more more of the same.